pray, Father, that as we set our minds on you, that we would hear from your word. We ask you to bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. I was a little scared I missed my cue there. When you see this going like this, it's not a bobblehead. It's like Ryan has checked out and he has missed the cue. So, Good morning. Good to see you guys. And uh, we started a series last week called The Games People Play. And this week, with it being Super Bowl and um, just uh, big time of football, we thought we would use that as a, uh, as a jumping off point for the message today. And I've asked Rainy to help me out. Um, and so this morning, I think that's yours, this morning we are going to go through and the reason we're dressed as refs, so all the staff are dressed as refs, so if you need something from one of the staff, just look for uh, a referee and uh, wave them down. Um, so this morning, we are talking about, basically talking about the penalty flag, right? So a referee, they have a penalty flag, and they throw the penalty flag. Everybody, should, everybody got a flag? Yes, okay, wave your flag at me. Really charismatic of us right there, Okay. Um, and so you got a penalty flag today, and we thought it was probably a better idea because we're talking about relationships. We, we started talking about relationships last week. We talked about parenting relationships. This week we're talking about relationships in marriage, and we thought it would be better to talk about throwing flags at each other than throwing furniture at each other, okay? Uh, we thought that was a better option. So this morning we want to talk about some of the penalties that could be called in your marriage, all right? Because there are things sometimes that happen in a marriage relationship that one person will say, well, oh, hold up, that's out of bounds, right? And there are some things that uh, we just wanted to start with. So this morning, uh, Randy, you're going to start us, and uh, go ahead, start us, and what's the first one? Encroachment, when your spouse takes your side of the bed. Anybody? How many of y'all? Throw the flag on them, right? Just throw it at them. Get off my side of the bed. Uh, the next one is offsides. Offsides is when uh, your, <laughs> your spouse has cold feet and they stick them on you. That is offsides. That's when you throw the flag and say, get your feet off me, right? All right. Intentional grounding. Not putting your clothes in the hamper, just throwing them on the floor. <laughs> I have some amens up. Just... It's kind of it's gravity helps us though. I, I will say that it, it helps it, with the hamper too. <laughs> so uh, the next one is delay of game. Delay of game is when your spouse makes you late for something, right? Delay of game. Anybody throw the flag on that? Or you just you just you just quit? It's like we're not even talking about it anymore. Yeah, we're pretty punctual. We're pretty punctual. Yeah. What's next? False start. Eating a snack right before dinner is done. Yeah, I, th I think that's just kind of warming you up for the meal. So it's like it's like appetizer. It's, it's, it's like the pre-meal meal, right? So you got It's like game day. Uh, the next one is this unnecessary roughness. Now that is not what you think it is. It is taking out your stress on your partner. Anybody you guilty of that one? Oh, nobody's nobody's like we're not we're not okay. There's a few. There's a few that said I'll taking out your stress on your partner. That is unnecessary roughness. Failure to report. I may or may not have been guilty of this. Yes, not you have. Not telling your spouse when you spend too much on Amazon. <laughs> All the packages. 
All the yeah. packages just arrived. <laughs> I, I mean, you get home and there's like all the stuff on the front. We can't even get in the front door. It's like, what happened? All right. So failure to report. Uh, the next one is holding, holding, and it's not, it's not holding like hugging. You know, we're not going to throw the flag on that. We want you to do that. Uh, holding is not letting go of an argument. Mm, mm, holding, <laughs> holding. Somebody's throwing a flag right now mentally, right? Next one. All right. Illegal man downfield, getting your kids to do what you were asked to do. I was exactly, I was saying the same thing. That's a genius move. That's why God blessed us with children, right? All right, she says no. She throws the flag on that one. Next one is roughing the passer. Roughing the pastor. Roughing the pastor. That was a Freudian slip, but it fits. Roughing the passer or the pastor, throwing a flag on it, all right? So undermining the other parent, Undermining the other parents. So, yeah, it's roughing the passer. Don't do that. All right. Neutral zone infraction. Getting in your way in the bathroom or in the kitchen. It's like, just move. Get out of the way. Need a bigger bathroom. <laughs> and the last one is this. Last one is this. And we're done. Last one is taunting. That is when you're nagging the other about their driving while they're driving. Throw the flag, guys. Throw the flag. It's like, I have, I also thought taunting could be like when you win at Monopoly and you're like dancing around the table. You lost. You lost. That could be taunting too, you know. So there's a lot of things you could throw the flag on, really. Um, and so that's why we gave you flags today. Uh, so maybe, I don't know if this helps your marriage or not. Actually, it may have just started World War III. You threw a flag on me. And uh, maybe that does not help at all. This morning, uh, we want to talk about uh, the games that people play, and we want to talk about uh, penalty flags uh, in, in the sense. And, and I want to talk about um, a relationship that we find in the Bible. And maybe you know about it, maybe you don't. Um, I mentioned it briefly last week about David's family. And I talked last week about how a lot of biblical families, they have a lot of dysfunction in their families. Um, and it's it sometimes when you read some of these biblical stories, some of these families, it sounds like Jerry Springer. Uh, just it's like, oh my goodness, this is the Bible, and it's like I'm I am convinced that we couldn't make a real movie of the Bible because it would there would be things in it we would have to just say that's that's ugly. Um, and so when you look at some of these stories and you look at some of what happens in it, it's, it's heartbreaking. And there's, this is a heartbreaking story that I do want to look at today because um, we talked about Abraham's family last week, and we talked about David's family. And I want to talk again about David's family, King David, because King David is, is a celebrated figure in the Bible, right? And he, he did some great things. He did some amazing things. And even God said, this is a man after my own heart. But that doesn't mean that everything that David did was perfect. And that doesn't mean that everything that David did was good. And that doesn't mean that everything that David did, God endorsed. Uh, God endorsed or endorses. And so when we look at this, we have to be very honest and very truthful about what we're seeing in, in the story. And um, I want us to look at the story of David and Michael. All right, David and Michael. Michael was the daughter of King Saul. And uh, we can find their story. We're going to go to to 2 Samuel chapter 6, 2 Samuel chapter 6, and before I read this, I just want to kind of give you, I want to set it up 
for you I want because there's a lot there's like many chapters before this and I'm going to save us a lot of time and I'm going to kind of condense the story and then we're going to read right here out of um, out of second Samuel chapter six but what we find is that David and Michael they get together and they do love each other in the in the beginning there is this great love that they have David has to go on this 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 great quest um, to obtain this thing that the king wants and he does this. He, he does this, this, this great quest, and I'll let you go read it. It's kind of crazy, too, just what he has to do to win the heart in the hand of Michael. But she loved him. That's what it says, that when he does this great thing for the king, um, he wins the hand of Michael as to be his bride. And um, the Bible says that she loved him and that they, they just had this love for each other. And so he wins her heart and he wins, wins her hand. And you see in the story where David has a rough kind of relationship with his father-in-law. Anybody have kind of, you know, in-laws, you know, it's like, oh, you know, we love each other on a certain level, you know. And I know sometimes, yeah, some of y'all got your flags out now. You're waving them. You're <coughs> Can I put a rock in mine and throw it? No, no, I'm kidding. That's not me. I, I have great. My in-laws are great. Um, I'm going to get in trouble. Um, and we'll stop. You're going to get in trouble. No. So he wins the hand of Michael, and um, it, there becomes this tension between David and his father-in-law, Saul. Um, and, and Saul becomes very jealous of David uh, to the point that Saul begins to try to kill him. He wants to murder him. And I don't know if you've ever, you know, had um, someone throw a javelin at you and a spear and and pierce the wall behind you probably means you know what I'm a little upset with you um, you talk about throwing things in the family you know they threw things uh, they just threw very sharp pointy things and um, so Saul was trying to kill David and so what we find is that Michael actually chooses her husband David over her father Saul and that she helps him she helps David escape to get away and David is really he's on the run for a while um, he's on the run. He's kind of like this fugitive off running, running on the lamb. And so in this story, they're apart for a period of time. And I don't know how long it is. Um, it could be months. It could be years. Uh, and, and that's what scholars believe, that it could be a, a number of years that they are apart. And um, in, this, in this time that they're apart, David actually marries two more wives. He becomes a polygamist, and he marries two, marries, uh, two more wives. And during this time, uh, Michael feels like she has been abandoned, and she is actually given um, as a wife to someone else. And so David, um, he hears about this. And you know what? He says, no, I'm coming back. If you, you can read the story, he comes back, and he demands his wife back. He demands Michael back. Um, and so he... They reunite, and he brings her into his home. He actually becomes king, and he brings her into his palace. <coughs> but she shares his palace with other wives. And so there is tension in this story, and there's heartbreak in the story. And there's already been enough heartbreak here for us to just say, man, this, this, thing, this thing's messed up already. But this is where I want us to read, and I think it's very telling um, and this is a passage of scripture. If you read it, it, it you can kind of miss the point because David is bringing the ark of God back to the city. 
and he's bringing the ark back, and um, he's he's dancing. He is um, he is kind of twirling and just you know just having a good time. Um, and I think sometimes we can focus on you know David's worshiping, and and we give David a pass. But I don't know that we can give David a pass in this story. I think as as we look at this, we can see that there's it really kind of culminates right here in this relationship. And so um, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. We're going to go all the way down to the end. And we're going to look at verse 20. And David returned to bless his household. So he's David's coming home. He's returned to bless his household. He's been out dancing. He's been out celebrating. It's been a, it's been a good thing, you know. Um, and so he comes back to bless his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, How the king of Israel honored himself today. But you have to read this. You, you know, say, well, that doesn't sound real bad. You kind of have to read it with a sarcastic tone. All right, anybody, you ever... Some of you have trouble picking up on sarcasm? All right. I'm, I'm trying to let you know right now, read this with a sarcastic tone. Oh, how the king of Israel has honored himself today, uncovering himself today before the eyes of the servants, the female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. And David said to Michael, It is before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house, to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people, of, uh, the people of the Lord, and I will make merry before the Lord. So basically he says, listen, God loves me more than he loves your family, <coughs> and so I'm going to do what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't read it that way, did you, <laughs> right? And, and so I will make merry before the Lord. Verse 22, I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I will be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in honor. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children till the day of her death. Now some scholars believe that God closed her womb, uh, that she was barren because of something that God did. But that's not exactly what the story says. That's not what scripture says. Um, There are many other scholars who believe that this was a fracture that doesn't come back around that uh, David and uh, Michael are never intimate again and that she's barren because they never have an intimate relationship. And I, and I read this story, guys, and I am heartbroken when I read this because it, it's, it's sad. This is a sad story to look at and think, all right, wow, if there's all these relationships and the Bible has all this good stuff to say about marriage and about relationships and about parenting, but then you look at the other side, and, man, there are some damaged, destroyed lives. And it's like it's just littered. And if you, you look at the rest of David's story, it's only about four to six chapters later, probably five or six chapters later, that if you look at David's story, he winds up having an affair with Bathsheba. And so David is already making bad choices. He's making choices that are is putting him on a road that is going to create um, damage in his marriage. He's already put him on a, a road that's created damage in his relationships, and it's going to create even a ripple effect in his family, even throughout his, his kids. 
And, and so when we look at these stories, we, we've got to really kind of take stock and say, man, you know, there's a lot of great stuff in the Bible, but there's a lot of real true Honest to God, heartbreaks that the Bible gives us too, and, and and I think that's why I think you know if I was writing a book, if I was just creating my own religion, I wouldn't put bad stuff in it like this, right? If you were going to make something up, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't. This is too real to to put up to make up and say, hey, yeah, I'm going to put that in my. No, no, I, I wouldn't write that stuff. I would say, let me just tell you all the good stuff. See, that's that's not what Scripture does. Scripture gives you what's what's real. It gives you what is truth, and sometimes truth hurts. And sometimes looking at ourselves in the mirror and seeing, hey, I made a mistake here, and I made a mistake here. Man, I really made a mistake here. And how we end up in a place that's like, how did I get here? And David does that. David gets to a place later on in his life. He's like, man, I have created so much damage in my family. And not just my family and other people's families, too. Because he had a man murdered to try to hide his adultery. And, and when you start looking at, you know, this guy that's got the heart of God, it's like, how does that fit? And I think it fits because later on David just really sees everything that he's done. And, and not because David was perfect, it's because David is willing to say, I've messed up. I have made some bad, bad, bad choices. And I think when it comes to relationships and it comes to our marriages, there are three practical things, and I'm not going to hold you real long this morning, but there are three things that I, I want us to look at, just practical guidelines that we can pick up on, because I don't want us to be like David and Michael. I don't want us to be in these relationships where we're just, you know, we're just throwing stuff at each other, you know, whether it's the penalty flag or it's, you know, the kitchen, you know, sink, uh, you know, that we are at odds with e each other. The first thing is this. First thing I want you to understand is this, that we have to attack the problem and not our partner. And, and this, is, this is like you say, well, this is not rocket science. Yes, that's, that's, that's important. Attack the problem. But, but most of the time, you know what happens is we get emotional. Anybody get emotional? When you get emotional, you know what, you, you don't think clearly, you know, and so you just maybe say things that, that you, you, you don't mean, or maybe you say things that you said, man, I, I shouldn't have said that, you know, and, and I've been there. I've been there at times, even, you know, just, just times where I, I, I had a, a friend that I saw. I was at a conference this past weekend. There was a friend that I saw there, and uh, he's only been married probably about three months and I asked him, I said, man, how's married, married life going? He's like, man, married life is great. I said, are you learning a lot? He's like, yes, I'm learning a lot, <laughs> you know. And, and we do. Sometimes we have to learn things the hard way. And I'm one of those. I've had to learn things the hard way. Um, you know, I've had to learn things, you know, of what I need to say, what I don't need to say. Attitudes that I need to have and attitudes I need to get rid of. Um, and, and I'm still on this learning track of saying, okay, when, when it comes to me and, and my wife, when it comes to me and my spouse, and, and when it comes to you and your spouse, it's important for us to identify what's the problem. Because our problem is not our partner. Our, there's problems that we have that we have to face that, all right, how are we going to attack this and not attack each other? Because when we get emotional, sometimes we just start taking it out on each other. And that was some of the penalties that we threw earlier, you know, when, when you start looking and say you're taking stress out on someone else. You know, you're taking stress out in your day when you've had a bad day and you come home and, you know, you've kicked the dog and you, you're, just, you're just rampaging all over the place. And it's like, whoa, everybody's getting out of your way. It's like, 
hey, attack the problem, not your partner. You guys are on the same team. And you have to be intentional about reminding yourself of that. I've had to do that. I've had to be intentional about saying, you know what? She's not my problem. We have an issue, and we've got to figure out how to have the conversation to fix the issue. We've got to figure out how to have a conversation. Sometimes, you know what? You just disagree on stuff. Anybody you ever just figured out, we're just going to disagree on this. And, and you've got to learn how to disagree without being, what, disagreeable? You have to learn how to, to say there are times that maybe we just come to an impasse and, and we're going we're gonna to say this is one of those things that we just disagree on. But we have to attack the problem. Identify what the problem is and attack the problem, not your partner. Remember that you're on the same team. And sometimes it can feel like we're on different teams. Sometimes it can feel like they're running one, one way and you're running another. And that's exactly what was happening with David and Michael. They ran the opposite direction from each other. And, and what happened was just the death of their relationship, the death of their marriage. And, and, and we see them, although they were still alive, it was just like there was nothing between them anymore. And so many of us know what that's like. So many of us know that, you know, there, there can be death in relationships. So remember your common goal. You have to get there together. How are you going to do that? How are we going to get there together? How are we going to move? If, if today is about this metaphor of football, you're on the same team and you're moving the ball down the field, you're going after the same goal, how do you get there together? I was watching a, um, a video last night about a guy who got turned around on the football field. He made a tackle, uh, or a guy made a tackle on his team. Um, the other team fumbled the ball. He picks it up, and he starts running the wrong way with the football. He is running, you know, to his own goal, and, 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 and his teammates are trying. They're running down the sideline, screaming at him, and finally one of his teammates just has to come tackle him right before, you know, he, he scores a safety uh, for the other team, right? He, he thinks, I'm headed for a touchdown. Sometimes we get confused. Sometimes we get turned around, and sometimes we need people to just say, hey, stop, stop. We're running the wrong way. We're running in two different directions. And we have to say what the problem is, attack the problem, and not attack our partner. Second thing is this. Put your obedience ahead of your emotions. <sighs> That's a big one, right? Because obedience doesn't make me happy. Obedience doesn't make me angry. Obedience, you know, all this Obedience is sometimes one of those things you have to choose to do. Emotions are those things that we feel. That's what I feel in that moment. Either I feel happy, I feel sad, I feel angry, you know. And, and that's a lot of times what we're making decisions out of is our emotions. That's so many times when we make a choice, we make it based on emotions. And I've made some bad choices based on emotions. I remember um, when me and Raina were dating, um, we had only been dating probably less than a year. And we had one of our first arguments, you know, one of those heated discussions, you know. And I said, you know what? I'm done with this. And so I'm up in Tennessee, and she's in Tennessee, and, and I just said, I'm, I'm leaving. And I, I didn't just leave and, like, go for a drive around the block, you know. Uh, I left town. I, I got in my, my uh, blazer, and I drove six hours to my mama's house. And I, I said, I'll show her. I'll show her. She didn't even know I was gone. You know? <laughs> it's like. And then I realized that was dumb. 
That was tough because now I got to drive six hours back because I got to be in class the next day. I didn't fix anything. You know, sometimes we make dumb decisions when we're emotional. You know, and, and, and I am just as guilty of that as anyone. But I want to be better about that. I've tried to be better about that as I've gotten older and as, as we've uh, been in, 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 in this marriage relationship for, for a while now. And we're figuring out, you know what, okay, let's not make dumb decisions based on emotion. And so I really want to be a guy who, who says I want to be obedient to what God's Word says. I want to be obedient to how God wants me to treat my wife and, and treat, uh, treat her and in, in my family in front of my boys. And so I am trying to put obedience ahead of my emotions. And there are times where, you know what, we're, we're at loggerheads, and it's just like, you know what, she's on one side and I'm on the other side. And somebody's got to go first, Right? Somebody has to go first. And none of us want to be that person. Well, you know what? They just need to come over here and say they're sorry. You know what the other side's doing? They're there saying, yep, just as soon as they walk over here and tell me they're sorry, we'll patch this thing up. I'll be okay. They just need to say the words. So I'm waiting. And each of us are in our corner, and we're waiting for the other. And, and so it's difficult. It's so difficult. But in my head, there have been times like the Holy Spirit saying, hey, dummy, you guys want the same thing. Go first, Ryan. Go first. And I know, and I'll go ahead and be honest, there have been plenty of times I should have gone first more, and I didn't. But I'm hoping that as I go along, I, I'm getting better about going first and saying, hey, all right, stop. Let's, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Let me, let me put obedience ahead of my emotion. Right now I am, man. You know, and you've been there. You know what that feels like. And it's difficult sometimes to make good decisions, godly decisions, when you're emotional. And so we have to take stock and say, okay, I'm going to be obedient, put my obedience ahead of my emotions. Uh, emotions, emotions will do this. Emotions will demand ultimatums. And ultimatums are a diff difficult thing to throw out there. If you don't do this, I am going to leave. Okay. There's not much room for compromise after that, right? There's not much room. If, if you're always going to the nuke button and the ultimatums, there's, there's not much room. You back people in corners. And so ultimatums or emotions uh, almost always demand ultimatums. Compromise is an invitation to work together. It's an invitation to say, okay, let's, let's figure out what's going on. You're not my problem, all right? We have a problem. You're not my problem. We're on the same team. We are got to figure out how to move this ball down the field. How are we going to do that, you know? And I know you said, Pastor Ryan, you make it sound so easy right now. And then when you get in that conversation, you're not thinking about, you know, moving the ball down the field. You're thinking about burying your person under the field, right? That's kind of those, ah, I just want to strangle them at this moment. But we have to put our obedience ahead of our emotions. Last thing is this, and I'll get somebody to come play if um, you'll, you'll come. Last thing is this. If I win, we lose. You say, well, how does that work? You can win the argument but lose the relationship. Does that make sense? You can say, well, I won that one. There have been plenty of times I've, I've had, you know, I've kind of, Walked around the house with a swagger. Oh, I showed her. You know? And then it's like when you stop and look, it's like, I didn't really win anything. Because we're still mad. And actually, she's probably more angry now. 
And we're probably even farther apart now because I've acted like a jerk. You know? And and it's this this idea that we win when we both are in this to win. Not just I. It can't be just me. It can't be just me looking out for, I won that. It's we win. So if I win, we lose. And you can win the argument but lose the relationship. If you win the argument, you can still lose. How do we win together? We have to move in the same direction. We have to align our game plan. And we have to really watch each other's back. And that's, that's, that's the thing right there, I think, we've got to be careful about because you have to protect your person. Come here. Come here, person. My person. My, my, my spouse, my wife. Um, we've had to figure out how to try to protect each other. And that's, there are times when she's angry at me, times I've been angry at her. And, you know, you want to go, I just want to go tell somebody just how bad they are. The thing about that is this, is that if if I do that, I go I go call my mom up. Raina, let me tell you how bad Raina is to me right now. My mom's oh yeah, yeah, she's so bad, she's so bad. You know. I may get over that. Mom's probably not gonna get over that. Right? Vice versa, the same thing goes and and, and it's and, and so we've got to be careful that we protect each other. I'm not running her down to other people. I'm not running her down to my friends. I'm not running her down to co-workers. I'm not, I'm, and she's not doing the same to me. And that when we look, that we say, listen, we're on the same team. It's, it's not about me versus you. It's us. It's us. And so it's about us moving the ball down the field. And what is that goal? Our goal is to have God in the middle of our family. Our goal is to have God reflected in our home and in our marriage and in our lives. Our goal is to have our boys see what this looks like um, in a long-term committed relationship, even when there's difficulties, and they see this is, this is how you work through this. This is how you work through this. And, and we're not perfect. Oh, let me give you that. I should have gave that disclaimer. I know she always hates it when we go through, like, marriage series and stuff because she's like, I want people to think we got disclaimer is we ain't perfect. Okay, I think you probably already know that, but I just have to say that. I really have to say that. This ain't perfect. We've made a lot of mistakes. We've butted heads a lot of times. We're still going to butt heads, you know. Uh, but we're trying to figure out how to do that in a better way. And really, as we read Scripture and as we apply these words and apply these principles to our lives, we want to see that. We want to see life, just um, the life of God reflected in our family. So I want you to stand with us. They're going to they're gonna lead us in this song. And I'm going to come back. And I'm going to pray for you in just a minute. Because I want you to pray for your spouse. Um, I want you guys to pray for each other. You are here. Moving in of me. I worship you. I worship you. And you are here. Working in this place, I worship you. I worship. Said again, you are here. You are here, moving in darkness. I worship. I worship. 
Who? <laughs> 
what I want you to do. If you're a husband and you're with your wife, your wife, I want you to grab their hand and I want you to lead them out here and come down front. If you're a married couple, husband, take your wife by the hand and bring them down front. Because I want to pray for you. And I don't know, some of you guys have been married a long time. Some of you guys probably only been married just a short while. You know what? Wherever we're at on the spectrum, it's okay. But we got to apply these principles, and we got to pray for each other, okay? And I want us to do that this morning. So I want you guys to pray for one another. Wives, I want you to pray for your husband. Husbands, I want you to pray for your wife. So let's pray over them now. Father, I thank you. I thank you, Father, for, Lord, every couple that is represented here. And, Lord, we represent homes and we represent families. We represent uh, families that have children, that maybe not have children yet, or maybe that have extended families or blended families. God, and, and, and our families look a lot of different ways. But, Lord, we join hands right now with our spouse, and we pray for each other. I pray, Father, for my wife now. I pray, God, over her. I pray, Father, that you would protect her, that you would give her everything she needs. You would allow me, Father, to give her, Lord, what she needs from me. Lord, that as you resource us and as you put things in our hand, I pray, Father, that we would make decisions based on obedience and not just emotion. I pray, Father, that we would look at each other as a teammate and not as an opponent. And, Lord, that we can look to, to how we can win and not just I can win. So, Lord, I pray all these things over our marriage. I pray this over the marriages that stand down front, the, the spouses, Lord, that are holding hands right now. God, we just come together. Make us strong. Protect our families. Protect our marriages. Protect us from the outside um, and external influences, things that would try to rip us apart, try to turn us against each other. Lord, I'm praying, Father, for those things that maybe are on the inside. Maybe there's wounds and there's hurts, Father, on our hearts that we've built up bitterness. And, and there are things, Father, that we're having difficulty letting go of, things forgiving. And so, Lord, I'm praying right now, God, that you would just bring healing. You are a way maker. You are a miracle worker. And you can do the miracle in our families and more specifically in our marriages. And so, Lord, that's what we pray right now. We pray a miracle, Father, in our marriage. We pray restoration, Father, in our marriages. We pray restoration in the love of our heart, Father, that we can create a home that you can be lifted up. So, Lord, we bring you our marriages. <clears throat> we bring you our spouses, our husbands, our wives. We pray over them now. And we ask, Lord, that you would make our home strong. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Can you give the Lord a hand clap of praise this morning?